Gospel of Luke, chapter number 5. Luke, chapter number 5. And uh, as you're turning there, just I made this announcement in Sunday school, and I'll make it again, but uh, uh, as you leave today, if you, if you want to go by the fellowship hall and check out the windows, we got those replaced. Uh, many of them were bad, and uh, praise the Lord, they look nice, and, and so praise the Lord, that was a huge uh, chore and task, and, uh, and so I just want to let you know about that, that that is uh, a big thing, a maintenance thing, and uh, those are you know what, after 20 years, things start to go bad. They just do, and uh, got to be replaced, got to be fixed. And uh, I look forward to that day in heaven where we get a mansion uh, that won't need repainted, won't need uh, the windows replaced, won't need a new roof. Uh, it'll be a perfect place. So praise the Lord. What a, what a day that will be. But uh, meanwhile, we need to maintain what we got. Amen. So, uh, so look at those and praise the Lord for the the. the Things that were done there, and that is a huge blessing. Luke chapter number 5 and verse number 27. Uh, we'll take our text. I want to preach on following Jesus. Luke chapter number 5 and verse number 27. The Bible says, After these things he went forth and saw a publican named Levi sitting at the receipt of customs, and he said unto him, Follow me. And he left all, rose up, and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his own house, and there was a great company of publicans and of others that sat down with them. But their scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples, saying, Why do ye eat and drink with publicans and sinners? And Jesus answering said unto them, they that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Let's pray. Father, we thank you just for your goodness to us. We thank you, Father, for uh, the many blessings that we have in your life. Father, thank you for life that we have and uh, for strength and, and uh, breath that we can come here and, God, that we can praise you. And, God, I pray that you would just bless the service this morning. I pray, Father, that you'd use me. I pray, Father, that you'd speak through me. God, I pray that you would touch hearts as only you can. And, God, I pray that you would help us to be followers of you. Thank you for this example. Thank you for this passage that gives us so much information. And Father, I pray that you would just bless and speak uh, as only you can. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at this passage, uh, it's an interesting passage. And, and matter of fact, we're going to look at one of the disciples that's not mentioned very frequently in the Bible. Some of the disciples we're very familiar with. Uh, Peter, James, and Paul, and uh, or, or excuse me, Peter, James, and John. Uh, those are the three that are named, not Paul. I don't know where Paul came from. He was an apostle that came in later, all right? Uh, but, uh, uh, but those disciples are, are very, we know them well. I feel like we know Peter. I mean, he was the one that uh, was always bold and first opened his mouth and say something. And John was the beloved disciple that you can just kind of see as being just the, uh, the, the guy that's always right there with Jesus. And, and we know quite a bit about those disciples. But did you ever stop and think there were 12 disciples? And of course, Judas, we know more about him than we want to know, okay? But you think about the other 11 disciples, and you take away those three, and I'm not that good with math. I think that comes out to eight. And, uh, but, uh, but the other eight disciples, we don't, we don't really know much about them. Bartholomew, he was a disciple. 
We don't really know a lot about He wasn't really mentioned much. Matthew is one of the other. He's a very prominent disciple in the fact that there's a gospel that he wrote, the gospel of Matthew. But yet very little is written about Matthew, to be honest with you. And so there were some disciples that were not as prominent, but they were just as faithful to the Lord. And as we look at this passage, uh, it's talking about Levi. Levi was uh, later called Matthew. We know this because Matthew 9, 9 uh, is a parallel passage, an identical story, uh, but it gives us a detail that it's not Levi, it's Matthew. And so I don't know, maybe he had two names, Levi and Matthew, or maybe he changed his name afterwards after he started following the Lord Jesus Christ to Matthew. We really don't know all the circumstances because there's really very little written uh, about Matthew or Levi in the Gospels. Matter of fact, I, uh, as I looked it up, he was only mentioned uh, ten times in the Gospels. That's not very often. So we don't have very much to go on, but we do have this passage that's very clear, and I want us to see uh, a few things from the life of Levi or Matthew, as we'll refer to him in this, this morning. But the first thing I want us to notice is his calling. Uh, verse number 27, the Bible says, And after these things he went forth and saw a publican named Levi sitting at the receipt of customs, and he said unto him, Follow me. And he left all, rose up, and followed him. Uh, as we think about this idea of the call, uh, you think about Levi sitting there at the receipt of customs. What was a publican? A publican was a guy who sits there and collects the tax money. Uh, a customs collector, a customs agent, if we could say it that way. Uh, when I would fly into Peru, uh, man, I just hoped that they wouldn't, they wouldn't pick through any of my stuff and then send me to the customs guy uh, because the customs guy always required money. And it was very subjective. Even when we'd go to the post office, uh, boy, it drove me crazy. Somebody one time mailed us Bibles in and, and, uh, and the customs agent at the post office, uh, he, said, he said, what's this worth? And I'm like, I have no idea. They didn't tell me. It was a hardback Bible. You probably could get it for $5 at Walmart. I, I don't know what it was worth. And, and, uh, and he says, okay, so you know, no lie, this is what he did. He pulled up Google. He Googled hardback Bible. And he found a, a $25 Bible. And he said, okay, your tax is on this amount, and this is what you owe me. That's how subjective it was. I was like, oh. And even in 2000s, I mean, we, we don't want like the customs guy. I mean, the guy that's sitting there, uh, the guy that's going to determine how much money that you have to pay to get this item into this country. And that's what Matthew was. That was what Levi would do. And, and, uh, and he didn't have Google, okay? So you could, he didn't even have a computer, come to think of it. Uh, so, so it was really, uh, how do you evaluate what's coming in and what's going out and fair market value without uh, any of that stuff? And so uh, their job was a very difficult job, but they'd sit there, and as people would maybe bring stuff in from the sea, or as they would travel along this road uh, that would go to a prominent city, they would stop them and say, hey, you got to pay taxes on this stuff that you're moving, on this merchandise that you're moving moving from point A to point B. That was his job. Now, you could imagine doing that job was a very lucrative job for them. And it certainly was. I mean, they uh, often would come out very well. And you look at this and you see that uh, the Bible says that Jesus came to him and he says, 
follow me. Now, I'm amazed at, at those two little words. He just says, follow me. I preached another message. I, I'm, I don't think I ever preached it here, but, uh, but about uh, Peter and, and, uh, and his brother that uh, were there, and, and they were by their nets, and the Bible says that they were mending their nets, and Jesus come by them and says, follow me. And the Bible says they left their nets and followed Jesus. Now, if I had to say that uh, one, one, uh, one work thing was more lucrative than another work thing, I would have to say that Matthew had the better job. I mean, he sat at a desk, people would come across and he'd say, okay, this is how much you owe. And now it wasn't maybe enjoyable or pleasurable, but as far as easiness, I mean, uh, he'd sit there and just collect money where uh, Peter, he had to go out on the seas and he had to fish and he had to, man, sometimes you'd drop those nets and they'd be empty and, and you'd go home without a paycheck and there was all the pressures there. But, but, uh, but, but uh, as far as Matthew goes, I think he had kind of a cushy lifestyle, if I could say it that way. And, and he made money and he was probably a fairly well-off and so as I look at this and I think about the fact that Jesus came by and, and he says, follow me. And Matthew, the Bible says, left all and went after him. That's a big step for Matthew who had been a customs uh, agent, uh, a publican, uh, a tax collector. And... Um, and I want to point this out, that, uh, that when he left, uh, I think there were some things that he left behind. Now let me just say this, if you get saved and born again, it does not mean that you have to leave your job and quit working where you're working. That's not at all what I'm saying. Uh, but I think that it's symbolic and it's very clear that, uh, that his, he left some things. And one of the things that he left behind was the sinful lifestyle that he carried with him. And, uh, and listen, Jesus, as I stated, doesn't require every person to leave their job, uh, but he does require us to leave our old lifestyles. The Bible says in first, or 2 Corinthians 5.17, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Listen, there ought to be a change in our life. Because God saves us from that sin and from that old lifestyle. One of the things that it seems like today is all of modern Christianity wants to bring in all the fleshly way you can live any way you want and do anything that you want and, and it's okay because you're saved. Listen, all the people that God saved in the Old Testament, He said, go and sin, in the New Testament rather, in the Gospels, go and sin no more. Uh, he said to the, the, the maniac of, of Gardea that was uh, a demon-possessed, he said, hey, go home to your friends and tell them what God has done in your life, that there ought to be a change, that there ought to be a difference made in your life. Go with me to Colossians chapter number 3. Save your spot here in Luke as we'll be back here. Colossians chapter number 3. These, this passage sums it up far better than I could in words. Colossians chapter number 3. And verse number 8, the Bible tells us very clearly that there are some things that we are to put off in our life. Uh, look with me in Colossians chapter number 3 and verse number 8. The Bible says this, Put ye also off, 
But now, excuse me, let me start over. But now ye also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. So he's saying, listen, uh, that we ought to put off our old way of life, that our life should change, and that we ought to, just like a jacket, if I were to take this off, he's saying, hey, take those old deeds and put them off. I didn't bring another jacket because I didn't plan on doing this. But and then he goes on in, in the following verse and he says, put on. And so we're to take off the old and we're to put something new on. And he goes on in those verses I'll just leave it off. It's pretty warm. And he goes on in verse number uh, 10, and he says this, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. In other words, that we're to put off the deeds and works of our flesh. He gives us a list of things there, and we could go through them, but you know what they are. You know what your flesh desires. You know what sin is, and the Bible clearly tells us that. But he's saying, hey, put on the new what Jesus Christ wants. That ought to happen at the day of salvation. Now, it's not going to be uh, easy. It's not going to be something that just automatically takes place. Our flesh will still desire those things, and we'll still be tempted with those things, and we'll still have to fight those, those urges and that temptation, but we are to put those off, and we are to put on uh, something new, as the Bible says, the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all in all, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy, beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And he's saying, hey, our life ought to change. I mean, those verses, uh, those last few, the verse 13 and 14, or verse 12 and 13, rather, that's not how the world lives. That's not the philosophy of the world. But yet it's how Christ says we ought to change. And so when Matthew left this receipt of, of, of customs table, when he left his old life, uh, these are the things that Jesus would expect of him, that he would follow, that he would leave that sinful lifestyle behind, and that he would take up a new lifestyle that would be right, that would be pleasing to the Lord. And so he's saying, hey, Leave that behind and go on with a new life, the sinful lifestyle. What are some of the other things I think Matthew left behind? I think one of the things very clearly is I think of not just the sinful lifestyle that he left, but I think of this as well. I think the securities of life. I mean, Matthew had a good job. He was working at the receipt of customs. He would sit there and, and it was a regular job and regular people would come through and he would regularly collect taxes and I'm sure that he was well off and, and by him saying goodbye to that and leaving that behind, it was some of the securities in life. They said, man, I got a stable income, I got a stable job, I got exactly, I know where I'm going. 
And now he's saying, I'm going to follow Jesus. If you remember right, Jesus said, I don't even have a pillow to lay my head. I don't have a house. I don't have a place. And he's following into this unknown destination in this unknown time. Go with me to Matthew. Save your spot again here in Luke chapter number 5. But go with me to Matthew's gospel chapter number 6. And I want you to see this. And it became so real to me when I read this. And it is the words of Jesus. But I could imagine as Matthew listened to those words, how these words really impacted his life as he had come from the receipt of customs, as he had come from being a publican, a tax collector, and went into the ministry, how these, this passage would, would really affect his life. Matthew chapter number 6, let's start there in verse number 24. The Bible says, No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. And mammon is uh, the word for wealth or riches. And so Matthew, uh, as Jesus is teaching these things, and Matthew is sitting there and absorbing them, and, and he's realizing, man, I left all the securities that I had in working at that receipt of customs, and I'm following Jesus, and, and, and it's not necessarily a guaranteed stable income. But go with me again in verse number 25. We'll continue the passage. And Jesus makes a very valid point here, and he says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. What shall ye eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body? What ye shall put on, is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them, are ye not much better than they? Which of you, taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And, and why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the fields, how they grow, and they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God... So clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven. Shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. We read that verse, we sing that song, and I like that verse. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And we go on. You know what he's saying? All of this stuff, he said, God will take care of it. God will provide for it. He gives example after example. He said, the, the birds of the field, you think they set up there saying, man, I, I wonder where I'm going to get my next meal from. If I don't go to work today and earn my paycheck, then I'm not going to be able to buy my uh, bird seed for tomorrow. And I know you think you feed the birds. But if you didn't, God would. And I'm just saying, 
They're not concerned about it. And that's the example he gave. Uh, the fields, you know, I, I look at the fields and it's been driving me crazy because I, I drive by these fields and they're all full of grass. I think, why, why does that field full of grass and my yard is struggling so bad for grass? What is up with that? And he's saying, hey, God provides for those things. And those, those flowers, I mean, we think, well, you got to go to the flower store to, to get flowers. And, and yeah, that's where you go and buy them. But where do you think they came from? They, they grow in fields. It's just that when people wanted to buy them, somebody figured out, well, if I go to the field and I start getting the seeds and I start, uh, start seeding these and planting them, then I can sell them and I can make money. But really, uh, they grow in the fields naturally. It's God's creation. God did all of that. And God takes care of all of that. And what, he, what I'm saying is, as Matthew would sit and listen to this, Matthew, who had left the, the, the job of the tax collector, the publican, who had said, I'm going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm going to leave that behind because I want to follow God with my life. And, and he's saying, hey, uh, listen, uh, God is going to take care of me. And again, I'm not saying that you have to walk away from your job. I'm not saying that at all. But listen, our trust and our faith should be wholly placed in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where our, our trust and our faith should be. And he was called to leave the securities of life. He was called to leave the sinful lifestyle that he once had. And he was called to follow Jesus. He said, follow me. Everyone is called to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. In John chapter 10 and verse 27, he said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Hey, listen, we're all called, every one of us are called to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean we're all going to be in full-time ministry. That doesn't mean that we're all going to have to walk away from our jobs and, and start doing. But it does mean every one of us should have our ears tuned to the Lord Jesus Christ and, and, and follow what God says with our life and be attuned to Him and what He wants. Uh, listen, uh, John was faithful, uh, or Matthew rather, was faithful to following the Lord faithful in, in reading the Word of God, faithful in prayer, faithful in gathering with other believers, faithful. You look at Matthew's life, and no, we don't have much to go on. There's not much written about him. Uh, I do know this, that you get to Acts chapter 1 and verse number 13, and his name is mentioned as he was gathering together. There was three years. We don't know much about who Matthew was. We don't. He doesn't show up a lot in the Gospels, but he was faithful and following Jesus Christ all that time. You get to when Jesus had died and rose again from the dead and ascended and the disciples are all gathered and they're named again. There's a list of them and that's usually where Matthew shows up, just in the list of disciples. But he was faithful that he followed the Lord Jesus Christ with his life. Oh, how we ought to be steadfast. There's a calling to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to leave uh, sinful lifestyles and, and our, dependence, our, uh, our dependence upon wealth and say, you know what? I'm trusting in the Lord. It's not wrong to have wealth, but it's wrong to put our faith and trust in wealth. We ought to put our faith and trust in the Lord. Matthew is a great example of following 
the Lord Jesus Christ and that call. Not only is the call, does he have the call, but I want you to notice as well, look with me in Luke chapter 5, back in our text, in verse number 29, I love this verse. The Bible says, And Levi made him, that would be Matthew, Levi made him, the Lord Jesus Christ, a great feast in his own house. And there was a great company of publicans and of others that sat down with them. In other words, we see here Matthew's concern for the lost. Here's Jesus coming by, and he says, follow me. I don't know what Matthew knew. I don't know what other interactions. Maybe there was none. Maybe it was really that simple that Jesus said, follow me. And Matthew said, okay, and got up and followed Jesus and started saying, where are we going? What are we doing? And Jesus would begin to instruct him. I, I don't really know. The Bible doesn't give us any of those details. But we see the calling that was very clear and very sure and that Matthew obeyed and followed the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want you to notice the second thing in Matthew's life, and that was his concern for the lost people. I don't know what the conversation was that Jesus and Matthew had as they left there. All I know is the Bible says here in verse number 29 that Levi made him a great feast in his own house. In other words, Matthew said, you know what? I'm going to throw a big party. and I'm going to invite all my friends. And I want Jesus to be there. Because I want them to meet Jesus. And he was concerned for the lost. His lifestyle that he left, he, didn't, he may have left the lifestyle, but he didn't lose his burden for the people. And we have an obligation to let our co-workers know about the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew had that great feast, and he invited them all over, and, 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 and people that were just like him, other publicans. Uh, you know, it's interesting, in the places I've worked, Notice, there's nothing like getting together with somebody. If you, if you enjoy your job uh, or you have something that's interesting, uh, matter of fact, there's nothing like getting together with people that have the same job and the same interests. Why? Because you can start talking about this or that or what, what new ways or innovate, and you can try and figure out new ways to do things or do things better or, or try and improve what you're doing. And, and so, uh, so they got together, and so, so Matthew would get together with these other publicans. I don't know, maybe they discussed tax brackets. I don't know what they discussed. I'm not a publican, not my wheelhouse. But he, and he said, you know what? I'm going to get all my buddies all these publicans, and I'm going to invite them to my house so that they can meet the Lord. He had a real concern for the lost people. Listen, I find it interesting. People, this is deep, ready? People like to eat. Isn't that amazing? That's still true today. People like to eat. You know what? It's getting together around food. It doesn't matter if you're in Peru, if you're in Italy, if you're in Asia. People like to get together and fellowship. And as Baptists, we all can say, amen. We like to fellowship around food. There's something about getting together around food that just allows you to talk and allows you to, to fellowship and, and enjoy talking. And, and Matthew would use this occasion to gather these publicans, gather these sinners, gather these people, gather these co-workers to his house where he could introduce them to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Listen, we ought to use every opportunity that we can. You have, hey, there's people that you come into contact with, that you have interests with, that you can make a connection with, that, that you can reach that maybe I could never reach. Maybe your, maybe your hobby or your connection is cooking or sewing. I, I probably won't make much of a connection with those kind of people. Maybe my hobby is maybe mechanics. And, and, you know, as I go to the auto parts store, it's easy for me to bump into those guys. Hey, what about this or what about that? And be able to talk with them and, and, and have a connection and say, hey, why don't you come to church Sunday? And use whatever it is that, that gets you a connection with other people to witness to them. That's what Matthew did. He said, you know what? I'm a publican. I can associate with all these other publicans. Doesn't, he didn't have to live the way they did to have a connection with them. Uh, but he had that inroad with them. And he would invite them all to his house. And he had a concern for these lost people that he wanted to be able to reach them. Bible says, it goes on further, and it says it wasn't just publicans, but it was sinners. In other words, it was people in the world, people that were lost. And you know what? We should not isolate ourselves so much from the world that we can't ever witness to them. We ought to be able to reach. I'm not saying go out and live like a sinner. I just told you that our life ought to be different. But, but we shouldn't be able to cut off all associations. Hey, we ought to have at least a little bit of, of rubbing elbows with them so that we can give them the gospel, so that we can allow them to hear that Jesus Christ died on the cross to save them from their sins. And that's what John was, or Matthew was doing as he invited these, these publicans, and the Bible says, and sinners into his house so that he could sit down and talk talk with them and connect with them and give them the gospel. You know, this verse that we know so well, for God so loved the world. Who did he love? Everybody that's in the world. You can't think of one person that God didn't love. God loves the world. And he commands us, he says, hey, if I love the world, then you ought to love the world and you ought to reach the world. And, and, and the Bible says in for God so loved the world that He gave. And so uh, He made an effort to try and reach them. He reached out to them with His Son, Jesus Christ. Uh, why did He do it? That whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. His goal was to reach the lost world. Matthew did the same thing. He, he loved those publicans. They were His co-workers. They were people that he knew. He would invite them in, sinners. Maybe they were other people that he had uh, rubbed elbows with and, and brought them into his house. And he presented Jesus to them and witnessed to them so much so that the Pharisees spoke up. They said, man, look at that Jesus. He's eating with publicans and sinners. The Pharisees were always poking at Jesus. And what was Jesus' answer to them? Jesus answering them in verse 31 that they are whole and need not a physician. Or they that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Hey, we are the light of the world. Jesus told us that. We have a responsibility to reach the world. Matthew had a calling from God to follow him. We all have that same calling to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew had a concern for the lost that he said, hey, I want to I try and get them together. I want to introduce them to Jesus Christ. But then lastly, I want you to notice this as well. It became the cause 
of Matthew's life. That would be the purpose. He said, I want to reach the world with the gospel. We don't know much about Matthew, but we know he was faithful, and he followed the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, some people have in their life a purpose of health and fitness. There's nothing wrong with health and fitness. You can kind of, you kind of tell the people that are, their, their purpose is health and fitness, and, and then those like me, that that's not really my purpose in life. I strive to, but I don't do very well at it. It's not my cause. It's not my purpose. And that's, there's nothing wrong with having that as your cause or purpose. There's, that's fine. There's others that have wealth as their life's purpose. And their life's purpose is, their goal in life is to get that uh, amount of money, whatever it is, and have it set aside. And, and listen, there's nothing wrong with having wealth. There's nothing wrong with having health and fitness. And, and then there's others that their life's purpose is just to have fun and pleasure. You can tell because they're, man, I went to the gas station yesterday. I was, I was, I was a little bit envious. It's probably on the wrong side. I've seen like these trucks with canoes and, uh, and kayaks, and they was all heading to the lake, man. I thought, man, that'd be fun. But they, they live for pleasure in this life. And don't get me wrong, it's not fun to have fun. It's not wrong to have fun in this life. But there's a greater purpose of serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, you, you, can, you should exercise. I believe you ought to. You ought to work on that and, and have fitness. And I believe you ought to make money. I mean, you have to pay for yourself and take care of yourself. There's nothing wrong with that. And I believe you ought to even set some aside and try and plan for the future. There's nothing wrong with that. And I believe you can have fun and, and go out and go fishing and play sports and do those things. Those are not wrong, but that should not be our life's purpose. Our purpose is far greater than that. That is serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew developed this cause in his life that said, I want to serve God with my life. I have no doubt that he had fun doing it. I have no doubt that he might have probably had good health doing it. I have no doubt that he probably uh, had a little bit of money come through his hands while he was doing it. But nonetheless, his purpose was to serve the Lord. May our calling and our concern for the lost turn into a cause of our life that we would say, you know what, I want to follow God with my life. And oh, I'll have fun. Oh, I'll make some money. Oh, I'll, I'll have uh, some fitness or I'll have whatever the other things are that are, are not sinful on the side. But my main purpose and my main goal and the cause of my life would be to serve the Lord Jesus Christ with my days. Matthew gives us a great example. What is your life's purpose? And after these things, he went forth and saw a publican named Levi sitting at the receipt of customs. And he said unto him, follow me. And he left all, rose up, and followed him. How can our life be described today? What's our purpose? What's our cause of our life? Are we following 
the Lord Jesus Christ. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet. Matthew is a great example of the call. He's called us. Matthew is a great example of the concern for the lost. Matthew had concern for those that were around him, co-workers who did not know the Lord Jesus Christ. But most of all, Matthew had a cause in his life that was to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not saying you have to leave your job to have a cause. You can work your job, but your, your job would become uh, the way that you can serve the Lord with your life. Father, I pray that you'd speak to hearts as only you can. God, I pray that you'd help us to become burdened, not just burdened for the lost, but God, burdened to follow you with our lives. And God, to abandon all, not that we have to leave it, but God, our faith and trust would not be placed in the many things that this world places their faith and trust in. But God, that our faith and trust would be placed squarely in you. God, I pray that you'd speak to hearts. God, if there's one that does not know you, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to their heart and show them their need for salvation. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. As we have the piano plays... The, the invitation is open. The altars are open. If God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. Whatever the need. to a close. Again, I appreciate your faithfulness being in the house of the Lord, and uh, we'll be back here at 6 o'clock. Don't forget the, the ladies' banquets ticket, tickets will be on sale, I believe after the service, right? Before and after the services, so uh, don't forget